0: I worship you, I worship you, we sing, we make miracle work, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. who you are. Stop working, they never stop, they never stop working.
1: I was...
2: Well, good morning, Southview. How are we? Good All right. Glad that you are with us today as people are still gathering in and coming in, dropping kids off. We want to go ahead and get started this morning. If you are a guest with us today, welcome to you. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it's so great to have you with us. As we begin our time together here today, I want to read some scripture to us. Uh, you may know today is um, often called Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. And where that comes from, or in the Gospels, I'll read one of the accounts to you. John chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. So Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem. He's entering into the last week of his life. John 12, verse 12. The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went and met him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. So palm trees, why are they doing that? So a lot of times in the Bible we can see them do things and it doesn't make sense to us culturally. That doesn't make sense. Why are you just snapping off limbs and throwing them in the street? Like I don't understand what's going on here. So in Israel, the palm tree symbolized victory and that phrase Hosanna means save us and then they refer to him as the king the king of Israel so literally what they're doing as they're going through this whole process is they're laying down these palm branches calling out for Jesus to save him proclaiming him to be their king they are pronouncing that Jesus is the victorious savior king and they have no hope but him Now, interesting side note, this same group that's proclaiming Hosanna, give them just a few days and they're going to be the ones screaming crucify him!" So the question for us here today is, do you rightfully proclaim Jesus Christ? You are my victorious Savior, King. You are my greatest treasure in the world. I love you. I need you. Or is it just lip service? Is it just you coming into church and saying the thing because you're supposed to say this? Today, I want to encourage you. Let's all of us today, not just lay down our palm branches, but I would encourage you here this morning, lay down your life before Jesus. And say, Jesus, you are my victorious Savior, King. You have saved me from my sin. You have delivered me from me lay my life down for you. So I want to encourage you to bow your heads for me this morning. I want to just start us off in prayer, okay? Just a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to sing, we're going to pray some more, we're going to open the Word, we're going to do all these things, but I want to begin by just settling our hearts and praying together. For you, have you laid your life down before Jesus Christ? Do you today proclaim Jesus as You are victorious Savior King. He is the one who claimed and won victory over your sin. He is the one who has saved you. He is your leader and your Lord, and you lay your life down in submission to Him. Is this true of you? Is this your life? If so today, amen. Stand here in just a moment and proclaim in singing how great and amazing our God is. And if the answer to that is no, I want to encourage you today to do that. Lay your life down before Christ today. Let Him be your Savior. Let Him be your victory over sin. Let Him be the Lord of your life. God, I pray that you would do this in your people today for your glory. We love you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together.
1: morning, church. Let's celebrate the greatness of our God, our Savior Jesus, the Christ is risen. He is worthy to praise. Let's sing. Sing about that, we preach about every time that we gather together, church. Some of my favorite scripture, First Peter chapter 2, he says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? And because these things are true, the psalmist says, For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing to your name. Church, the only hope that we have is in Christ Jesus. The only power to save and to heal and to fix and to correct is Christ Jesus, the name of Christ Jesus. So for the believers in the room today, I would encourage you to just look closer to him. And for the man or the woman or the child in this room that maybe has never heard the gospel, I pray, I pray that you would see the face of God here today in His people, that you would hear these words sung, you would hear these scriptures prayed over and preached, and He would call you and you would say, Yes, Lord, I submit my entire life. God, use this gathering today in a mighty way, only for the glory. Your Holy Spirit is free to move here encourage us, motivate us to worship, Father, that the name of Christ Jesus might be glorified among the nations. In his name we pray, amen. Let's say see the church.
2: We live in a Christian nation. That's what some people say. Maybe that's why
0: they often ask, why do we need missionaries here? There are places in North America where there are very few churches. People are
1: very open to conversation, but nine times out of ten, they have not heard of Jesus.
0: There is no pastors, there is no people can't share the gospel with them. There's lives that Can be made whole with the gospel
2: and we're watching god change people's hearts and change people's lives but i wish people knew how many more laborers we need in the mission field because it's more than we can handle
1: church planting
2: is hard we just got to work together we can do more together than we can do apart
1: we need all the help that we can get and that's what annie does it allows for more laborers to come here
2: The Annie Armstrong Easter offering unites us all. Big and little, young and old,
0: black and white. We all give because we know that when we do, our communities will look more like this. And we all give because we know there's a name
2: and a face on the other side of that gift
1: this offering this gift that we're giving to and that everyone else is giving to it does have a face it's my face this is the body this is the body of christ that's what any armstrong means to me
2: Right. well, um, once again, good morning to you. Glad you're with us today. So, uh, so with that, uh, you may not realize that we here at Southview Baptist Church, we are a Southern Baptist congregation. You can leave now if you need to. Um, what that means is, um, so Southern Baptist Convention, it's a, a, a voluntary group of about 60,000 churches uh, around the country and really around the world. Um, that there's no hierarchy, we don't have anyone over us or anything, each church is autonomous and separate, but we voluntarily come together to help with mission. Uh, we believe we can do more together than we can separate. Um, uh, as Southern Baptist, the Southern Baptist Convention, we have more missionaries on the field around the world than every other mission organization in the world combined. Um, roughly about one fifth of every pastor in the world was trained at a Southern Baptist seminary. The footprint of the Southern Baptist Convention is massive. And one of the big things that we do is what's called the Annie Armstrong Easter Offering. Uh, and it goes to helping missionaries and church planters and starting churches in North America, the United States, Canada helping start churches. And the reason we do that is because the need is great. The need is massive. Uh, Truly, uh, the field is white for harvest, but the laborers are very, very, very few. So, throughout the month of April, what we're going to be doing is encouraging you to be giving to this. Giving to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. You do that in two ways. You can either write a check if you like and just mark it Annie Armstrong offering and place it in the boxes as you leave. Or if you give online through the app, just make sure you designate on that Annie Armstrong offering. And 100% of everything you give to that goes out of this church. We send it to the North American Mission Board and they turn around and use that for church planting and missionary efforts in North America. But I want to encourage you very strongly to do that. Um, Currently, right now, in cities like Boston, New York, Seattle, San Francisco, Chicago, um, there are roughly about as many Christians in those countries as communist China. Um, If it could be, many of those cities would be deemed as unreached people groups. The need is massive the need is unbelievably huge uh and this ministry this this mission for this ministry helps support that so i want to take just a minute and pray for this and again you're going to be hearing about it for the next few weeks we're going to be talking more about it and introducing you to more people and opportunities uh but i wanted to start today just kind of getting this bug in your ear and let us pray about it and have you be in prayer personally about how you can potentially give for the north american mission uh annie armstrong easter offering so let's pray together, okay? Lord God, we just thank you. We thank you, God, that you, um, we thank you, Lord, that every person in this room who is a Christian is so because someone else decided to go start a church that told them about Jesus, Uh, told their parents about Jesus. Something happened because there was someone who decided at some point in time, maybe it was last year, 10 years ago, 300 years ago, someone decided that community needs a church and I'm going to start one. Uh, So I pray, God, that that heart continues and we're a part of seeing that continue and we can see that continue through this offering i ask you god that you would bless these efforts i pray god that you would stir in our hearts to give that you would draw people to give and that we would see much fruit come from that thank you lord god we ask you that you'll be glorified in this and allow many missionaries and church planters to go out even among our church i pray god that you would raise up and send out planters that would go out and share the gospel disciple people Start churches and see communities transformed. I pray, God, that you would do that right here. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, hey, if you've got a Bible, let's find James chapter 5 together, all right? James 5. Uh, we're going to be doing just the last two verses in the book of James because today we finish the book of James. It has been, counting today, 14 weeks. We've been working our way through the book of James. And uh, it has been uh, personally uh, extremely convicting. God has been uh, dealing with me uh, before he deals with you, I promise. Um, But as we've been going through the book of James, our big idea has been what? A faith that saves you will also change you. Uh, the idea behind that is what we believe in James. James is trying to get across to us is James is not so much concerned about what you say you believe as much as James is concerned about how you live, right? <clears throat> that you would live out this faith. If you say that you have faith in Christ, and that faith should indeed change you. Something about you will be different. A faith that saves you will also change you. And if you're not changed, it might be because you never had saving faith, right? And so a faith that saves you is also going to change you. So as we've been working our way through the book of James, what we're seeing is, and 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 I want to encourage you just for a moment, um, because no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how mature in the faith you are, uh, James is designed in such a way that when you start reading it, eventually you're going to get convicted. Right. And so if you've sat through the last three and a half months and felt like um, there was a giant target on you, that's not intentional. We call that the Holy Spirit, right? God is doing this. God is convicting. Um, James is just by design set up to be an extraordinarily convicting book, all right? That's the purpose. So I would even say, listen, if you've been with us for three and a half months, in all sincerity, right, in all sincerity, if you've been here for three and a half months with the book of James and you've sat through verse by verse, line by line, us going together through God's word, and you've not been convicted about anything, we probably need to get coffee this week. And I'm really not joking. If you've gone three and a half months and sat through James and just went, all right, and went to lunch for three and a half months, right? a lack of conviction it's not proof of your spiritual maturity. It's at best proof of your spiritual immaturity and more likely the proof of your spiritual death. You're not actually a Christian, right? Hebrews tells us that God reproves, God disciplines, God convicts the children that he loves. And if you're going to sit through a book like James and go, all right, we probably need to grab coffee this week, okay? Okay? So it's extraordinarily convicting by design. Because as you go through the book of James, what you see is command after command after command after command after command, command, right? Don't do this and do that, right? You will be a servant of Jesus. You will have joy in trial. You are not supposed to do this. You will control your tongue, command after command after command, And what we've said repeatedly throughout the book of James, and it's very important as we see these commands, and by the way, in five chapters in James, there are over 50 commands, right? And so it's constant command. And what we told you is this. God is not presenting himself in James as your life coach or your therapist. He is not offering good advice. He's not just throwing out suggestions. He is sovereign Lord over all creation. He is giving very clear commands. And he 100% expects and demands your obedience to him. Are we tracking? And it's very important that we get that point, all right? I, I, I dig down here for a second because we got to get that in order to get the verses for today, okay? So we got to make sure we understand this. This is a big deal. James is command after command after command after command. And God 100% expects and demands your total obedience to Him. Right? I want you to feel the weight of that just for a second. Because then we get James 5, 19 and 20. Let's read that together, okay? James 5, 19 and 20. My brothers... If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So James gets to the end of this letter and he realistically and correctly assumes that they're going to be people that either on occasion or maybe even for prolonged seasons do not walk in obedience, right? He he understands that there's going to come a time, right? It's command, command, command. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But he understands there's going to be times in our lives we're not obeying. Are we together? And so what 19 and 20 are trying to do is explain what do we do about that, right? There's going to be times in Our life, my life and your life where we're not going to resist the devil. We're not going to submit to God. We're not going to cleanse our hands. We're not going to purify our hearts. We're not going to surrender to the Lord as we plan out our life. We're not going to do that. So what happens next? Right? Do this. I'm not doing that. What now? We get James 5, 19 and 20. And the big idea that I want you to see in all of it is this. Here's going to be our big idea for today. In order for you and I to grow in faith, you must be part of a church that will love you enough to tell you the truth and call you back to Christ when you wander. In order for you to grow in your faith, you and I must Be part of a church that will love us enough to step into our lives, speak truth to us, and call us back to him when we wander. This is a massive, massive part of you and I consistently bearing out spiritual fruit. I know we're Americans. And as Americans, we love our rugged individuality. And we desperately try to make Christianity a private thing. It's really, you know, my faith is kind of a private thing. I don't really like talking to other people about it. I don't really engage well with other people about it. I just kind of do my thing. So I, I, I enjoy the music, and I enjoy the pastor. So I come in, and I grab my coffee, and I sit and listen, and I get filled up, and then I leave. It's kind of more of a private thing. And here's going to be your problem with that. You're living a Christianity that Jesus wouldn't understand. And if Jesus thinks you're living a bad Christianity, you might want to think about that. If the New Testament knows nothing of the form of Christianity you're trying to live, you may want to check that. What the Bible is going to say is, Christianity is meant to be a community project. My walk with the Lord is your responsibility. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm your brother in Christ. And your walk with the Lord is my responsibility. Not just because I'm your pastor, but because you are my brother and sister in Christ. And the same is true for all of us across the board. You are your brother's keeper. Like, you are. This is the point. And so after... All of James of do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. You're like, oh, oh, you feel it. He answered these two verses saying, okay, now let's be honest. You're going to jack that up. Right? Let's just be real. You're going to mess that up. So when you do, when you do, here's what I want to happen. So in this passage, we see two people. The Wanderer and the Restorer. So let's take just a quick second and unpack these two people and see kind of how it relates to us. So first let's look at the Wanderer. The Wanderer. So you see the Wanderer story there in verse 19, I got a little snippet for you up on the screen. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. Let's just, uh, uh, a couple of truths about this wanderer. Number one is this. All Christians, all Christians are prone to wander from the truth. All of us. Everyone. Me, you, all Christians. Uh, If you grew up in a church that Uh, saying hymns like I did, maybe you're familiar with that hymn, Come Thou Fount, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. There's something in us that, if we're honest, does cause a a tendency, a bend, a a prone to the wonder. And he's clearly, a couple of things here. Number one, he's clearly writing this about Christians, This is not about a lost person acting like a lost person. This is about a saved person acting like a lost person. right? Because look at the way he's describing it here. My brothers, that is a term used for Christians. If anyone among you, the idea of it's in the church body. They wander from the truth. Lost people don't wander from the truth. They were never in the truth. These are Christians here. And these Christians... Or wandering. And that's the second thing I want you to see. With this wandering, we do not intend to wander. So, that word um, to wander away there means to, um, uh, to, to sort of veer off, right? Drift. And, and to wander is such a, a good picture to describe this because no one intends to wander. Think about the beach, all right? So we're about to come up on summer season, which is when we won't see half of you until Labor Day. Great, all right? I know, we know the deal. So you're going to go to the beach, right? So you go to the beach, you get out in the water. You ever had this experience, are You're out in the water, you're hanging out, you're playing with the kids, you're having fun, right? You're not paying attention, you're just playing, jumping in the waves, body surfing, doing the whole deal. And then you try to get out to go find your stuff, right? So you walk out, right? It makes sense. You walked in straight, and then you walk out straight. But are you at your stuff? No. Right? You look. Oh, we're a half a mile that way. All right. I see the umbrella. All right, kids. Let's go. Right? What happened? You drifted. You didn't mean to. It happened so slowly you didn't even feel it. What happened? Literally, as you jump a wave, that thing just moves you six inches this way. And then you jump seven down. And then you jump a wave, and it moves you six more inches this way. And then you step right down. And the next thing you know, you look up, and you're way away from where you first started. You drifted. This is the way it happens. Christians are prone to drift. And, and it's interesting also, if you look at that, that uh, verse there again. Brothers, if anyone among you wonders from the truth, that word if there, in the Greek, implies probability. Not like it, you know, it probably won't, but just in case. You know, that word if implies, like, you no, know, it probably will. Like, on some level, to some degree, at some point in time, every one of us in this room who's a believer is going to drift. And by drift, I don't necessarily mean, like, we, a lot of times we think of sin. We think of massive life-altering sex, drugs, and rock and roll, something crazy. Drifting doesn't have to be that. Drifting can be something we consider minor. It usually is. Right? Someone in the church says something to you, either something they should not say or a way they should not say it. And instead of just being gracious and forgiving and letting that go, you harbor that for a little bit. You just drifted. Or you used to be really, really, really involved in the body of Christ. But then, you know, the kids got bigger and they got more involved with stuff. And now you're just swamped. And so now your church involvement is popping in here for an hour when it fits your schedule. You just drifted. Or or, or you and your spouse used to engage one another in a way that was kind and gracious. But just stuff happened between you. Stuff went bad. And now, over time, you engage more in frustration and anger. You just drifted. And drifting, again, can be small. Think about like walking a a, a trail, uh, uh, hiking a trail through the woods. Like you can step off the trail for a little bit. It's not a big deal. You just step back on. Or also, you can wander off a trail and wander so far away, you eventually step off a cliff. Right? Wondering might start small, but if a small leads to another small leads to another small, next thing you know, you just died. What I want you to understand with this idea of wondering, we got to first be okay and accept the fact that he's talking about you. He's talking about me. We are all prone to wonder. It's going to happen. And when that happens, we need something. We need the second person, the restorer. So verse 19 says, you know, if you wonder, if someone wonders, the second part of verse 19, and someone brings him back, verse 20, let him know that's Whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So just a couple of quick things about this idea of a restorer. Number one, I want you to see that God uses us to bring others back. Look at there again, verse 19 and 20. And someone brings him back. Verse 20, and let him know that whoever brings back a sinner, he's using us. Yes, it absolutely should happen a lot that there's a a wandering in your heart. You sit down. You read God's Word. God convicts you. The Spirit, boom, harpoon from heaven, nails you. You go, okay, I see that sin. I confess it as sin. Father, I repent and turn from that, and, and you're back on the path. That happens a lot and should happen a lot. But in the times that it does not, God desires, intends, and commands the rest of the body to step up and speak truth. God uses us, and I think God uses us because it brings him a great amount of glory to use horribly imperfect uh, tools to accomplish amazing work, right? right? If you just have the right tool, you can do any job. But if If you have to build an entire house and all you have is a handsaw and a hammer and you're able to build that house, you're legit. God shows off his glory by using horribly imperfect tools to accomplish a glorious task. God is using you. God desires to use you to speak truth into a brother or sister's life. God desires to use you to see a wanderer return. Which is the second idea I want you to see. What's the heart behind what we're doing? The whole heart behind this, our desire is to see restoration. See someone restore. So let's unpack that just for a moment. When it says there, brings him back. And then again in verse 20, know that whoever brings him back. Back. That phrase, bring back, means to return to the rightful place. You're bringing back to where you should be. You're bringing back, you're restoring them again to a right walk in relationship with the Lord. You're bringing him back to the path that they have wandered off away from. We're not seeking to judge, to condemn, to embarrass, to straighten out. Our desire is to restore them. And it says that they restored, and then that person that you restore, look at this, it will save his soul from death. Uh, Now, this is a saved person again, so we're not talking about hell. We believe that this is here talking about a person who's already a believer. But what's happening here is you're saving them from spiritual calamity. In other words, even though the believer is saved, even though when they walk away from the path, they're languishing in, in guilt and futility and purposelessness. Why? Because they've drifted. Because they've wandered. And then a brother or sister in Christ come and speaks truth to them. And they hear and they receive And they're restored, and their soul is saved. And then it says also, and they'll be covering a multitude of sins. Now that word, cover, don't get the idea that this is about sweeping sin under the rug. That's not what this is at all. There's a Greek word for hide that's not used here. This isn't about um, hiding sin. This is actually about exposing and confessing the sin so they can finally be covered under the grace of God. Does that make sense? We have two options. You can either try to hide your sin and one day God will expose you. Or you can on your own expose your own sin and let God and His grace cover you. Right? There, there, there is a covering and there is an exposing. But you get to determine how that rolls. Right? You can try to cover your own sin and God will expose it one day. Or you can confess and expose your sin and trust God and His grace to cover you. And that's what he's talking about here. You're covering a multitude of sin, not by hiding it or sweeping it under a rug or trying to help them write a press release that covers their, their you know, right? But, but you're, you're confessing it, you're acknowledging it, you're admitting it so that God and His grace and the love of the church body can cover that person and cover their sin. The point is this. Every single one of us who are followers of Jesus Christ are called and commanded by God to obey. And every single one of us who are followers of Jesus Christ will go through a season in our life, a time, a season, a station, whatever, where, where we're not doing that. We're not walking in faithfulness. We're not walking in the truth. We're not walking in the light. We're not being faithful as sons and daughters of God. We're not doing it. And when that happens, God commands brothers and sisters in Christ around us to step into our life and bring us back from our wandering, restore us to the truth, save our soul from the languish of this sin, and help us see our sin covered not by our best efforts, but by the grace and mercy and forgiveness of God. And what I want you to understand is God's call on us, the Southview Baptist Church, God's call on Southview Baptist Church is to be this kind of church. It's to be this. A church that loves one another enough to speak truth even when it's difficult. That loves one another enough to receive the truth that they're proclaiming to us even when it's hard to hear. God God is calling us to be this. Not only is God calling us to be this, I want you to hear me. For the sake of your soul, you need us to be this. I, Brad Lynch, I, Brad Lynch, need to be a part of a church that will be this. I need to raise my children in a church that will be this. And so do you. I think one of the reasons the church in America feels so impotent and so powerless is this. We look for all kinds of other things, special experiences, and go to this conference and read that book. He already wrote a book, and he says here, look, you're going to wander. This is going to happen. It might be small, it might be simple, it might be perceived by the world as insignificant and not a big deal and socially acceptable, but you know it's a wandering. And there need to be people in your life who love you enough to step in and say, hey man, can we, just, can we just talk about that for a second? We need this. I need this. You need this. This is a call of God for us. This is what it means. This is how we continuously live out the gospel in our lives. We need this. So let's let's do this for a few minutes. Let's 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 talk through this idea of being this kind of church. All right, I got a couple of questions I want to throw at you and, and have us to kind of think through of being this kind of church. All right. So first is this question number one why doesn't this happen in churches? Right? Why don't we see more people restored in churches? What's going on here? Why not? Um I, I, and, and, And I think we would agree we don't see it a lot, right? If you've grown up in church, you've been in church for years, this kind of thing is not something you probably see a lot of. And so why? I'll give you two things. One, I think the fear of people stops us from approaching them. You are so terrified of what that person might think of you, you are not going to go to them and say, Hey, look, man, I've just noticed some things, and I've been in prayer for you, and I think we need to talk. Because you are terrified of what they're going to think or say. Listen, you need to know something. The vast majority of people in your life are cowards. They're complete cowards, and they don't want to tell you the truth. They're going to like your Instagram post. You're going to say the most stupid things on Facebook, blasting some poor cashier that doesn't even know your name. They're going to like it and go, I hear you, sister, because they're wandering or they're just cowards. We need to be secure enough in Christ to where if I come up to you and say, hey, we need to talk about something and you decide to not like me anymore, that doesn't ruin me. I like you and I want you to like me. But it's not where I get my identity, my hope, my security, my peace, my joy. You liking me doesn't make me. I like you liking me. But the problem is, people liking you is where you get your security. And so you couldn't dare say something that might jeopardize that. You need to get your security in Christ so you can finally have the guts to speak truth to a brother or sister that needs it. Get your security in Jesus, not in them. Uh, second reason it doesn't happen a lot, we'll go to the other side of the table, is because um, we never get connected to anyone that could know us or help us. Again, I say this, and again, if you're a visitor here, you've been hanging out here just for a few weeks or a few months, and you're just trying to figure out, you know, are we a cult or not? I get that, it's okay. Right, just take your time, right? No pressure. Right? I'm not... And I'm talking to you, okay? Um, by the way, we're not, but, you know, whatever. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Um, <laughs> my concern are the people who have been here for a considerable amount of time. We'll just call it a year or more. And the bulk of your church experience is just sitting in here and then leaving. No one. You could be a million miles off the path and no one knows. There's no one that can help you. There's no one that can help you. No one knows you. No one knows you well enough to to even discern if there is a problem. You need to submit to God and in submitting to God, If this is where you believe your church home is, you need to submit to God by joining in covenant membership, getting connected to a group of people that can know you, and allowing people to love you enough to speak truth to you if they need to. It's for the sake of your soul. It's for the sake of your soul. You need to do that. Okay. If you have questions, concerns, I'd love to sit and talk with you about that. But you need to do that. Um, second question. So, how do we see someone restored? Let's say hypothetically, you notice a brother or sister in Christ wandering from the truth. What do you do? So, I'll give you five suggestions just to kind of think through. Number one, try only to approach those you already know. All right? Um, best what i've learned is um, people respond best if it's someone that already has a relationship to them and we do this as a pastoral staff if we're sitting together as a pastoral team and we know that someone needs to be addressed needs to be chatted with we need to work through something like we go around the room and go who has the best relationship with them and if it's not me i don't have that conversation there are times where i'll raise my hand and go no i know him we we hang out we got a good relationship. I'll go talk to them. I, I, I can handle this. Or there are other times one of the other guys will raise their hand and go, nah, I, I, think I, can, I think I can do that. I, I, I've got a good relationship there. I think I can, I can speak some truth into that. Right? You want to know them. all right? You don't want to just see something going on in someone's life and go, well, I'm going to do it. No, all right? right? Like if you see a first-time guest walking in here, Right? And you notice them getting out of the car and kind of losing their temper a little bit with their kids. You don't walk up to them and go, hey, how are you? What's your name? Carl, great to have you today. Carl, hey, listen, I just want to tell you. I noticed you kind of grit your teeth at your kids earlier. Just heads up, just want, you know, Proverbs tells us that, you know, you know, anger stirs up strife, but a but a but a kind word will calm that. So maybe you want to watch the way that you, you speak to your kids, just encourage you, right? Carl's gonna be like, who? Honey, get in the car. Get in the car, get in the car. They are a cult. Get in the car. Get in the car. You want to make sure you know them. All right? That's uh, that's important. Also, um, men with men, ladies with ladies, Um, guys, uh, she does not need to be your accountability partner. Okay? Just guys with guys, ladies with ladies, just practical advice. Uh, Second, uh, seek the Lord in Scripture and prayer before going to the person. For a couple of reasons. Number one, you want to search your heart to make sure you're right before the Lord before you step out and speak to them. Right? So search your own heart. Um, you're praying also for them. You're praying that God would search them, that God would speak to them, that maybe God would speak to them and do that through the Spirit, and you don't even have to speak into that. Right? God would just do it. You also want to search the Scriptures to make sure, and this is very important, I want you to hear me, you want to search the Scriptures to make sure what you're going to approach them on is actual, legitimate, biblical sin, and not just your personal preference. That is super-duper, uber-important, okay? Because there are things that we all disagree on that aren't necessarily legitimate black-white Bible issues, right? So you want to make sure this is a legitimate wandering from the truth that you're helping them not, you know, they... they Raise their kids differently, or they do this, or they do that, or what? No. Is an actual sin. So spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer, search your own heart, pray for their heart, make sure this is a legitimate sin issue right before you step forward. Uh, third, approach the person with a heart and attitude of grace, compassion, and mercy. Um, every husband in the room, if you've been married for longer than two minutes, you know, it is not what you say, it is what? How you say it. Like, what? I didn't say it. I just said, like, what? I was just saying. I am sorry you're mad. I am. Right? It, it's not what you say, it's how. Same is going to be true for this, right? You want to go forward in, a, in, a, in, a, in an attitude. You want to present yourself in a way of grace, humility, compassion, kindness, love. Hey man, I just want to just want to talk to you about something, right? So, so one, it's about how, how you go forward. Um, uh, fourth, um, approach the person with a humble and open mind. Here's why I say that. Approach the person with a humble and open mind. Here's why. I can guarantee you there's something about the situation you are not aware of. Right? I can't count the number of times someone notice a thing, like, oh, I'm doing it. And they go kicking in a door, like some, you know, like, and they go, Guns blazing, and well, we're gonna do this thing. And then come to find out there's a whole other side of the story. They're like, wow, I wish I would have known that five minutes ago. I would have knocked on that door rather than kicked it in. My apologies. Uh, Proverbs 18:17 says, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. So you wanna come in with a humble mind. An open mind, understanding. There's probably parts of this story that you're not aware of. There are things going on that you're not privy to. So you just want to go, "Hey, look, I get. There's probably some more to this story. I'd love to hear it. I just, I saw these things. So I just wanna, I just wanna chat about that, right? So be humble. Um, and then last, I, I would encourage you know that it's God who must work in this person's heart and not you. Right? Don't put too much pressure on yourself. It's God and not you. God's the one doing this work in them. God's the one. He uses us as instruments, but it's ultimately God doing the work. So trust him. Right. Let God do the work. Um, and then last question I want to encourage you with is uh, how do we respond to an attempt at our restoration? <laughs> so if someone comes up to you and says, so I, I just feel like we need to talk. What do you, how do you respond? Because again, if you're a follower of Christ long enough, truly connected to a church long enough, this is a thing that should happen to you. It's happened to me. It should happen to you. Because you're you're not perfect. You're not sinless. There's a reason that they call them blind spots. Hang on. You can't see them. You all have them, so do I. And if you're in a church long enough, there's someone that's going to be around you that sees a blind spot that you can't catch and they're going to chat with you about that. What do you do? How do you respond? I'll give you two things. Number one, avoid the temptation to find people who disagree with the person seeking to restore you. Alright? Don't be like, you know, man, Brad sent me down the other day and he said he's concerned about my marriage. He thinks that That I'm not loving and gracious toward my wife. He thinks I'm not kind to my wife. Can you believe that? And again, I've already told you, most people in your life are cowards. So what are they going to go? What? That's crazy. He really said that to you? You know what? I bet Brad and Marie are having issues, and he's just projecting that onto you. You know what? Now that you mention it, they do look miserable. (laughs) I bet you're right. Right, so avoid that temptation to go to try to find people. That, right, we're not building coalitions. You're not gonna go find someone that agrees with you and you're trying to outvote, you know, more people agree with you than agree with them. Receive it humbly and set it before the Lord. Second, avoid the temptation to find fault in the person seeking to restore you because I guarantee you, the person seeking to restore you is imperfect. They've got their own stuff. They've got blind spots and issues. But this conversation is not about them, it's about you. Right? Don't be like someone comes up to you and like, hey, man, I'm just concerned about this. Oh, really? I'm glad you brought that up. Because I've created a PowerPoint presentation. Here are all the things I think are wrong with you. Right? You don't want to do that. Now, there may be a time where you need to have a conversation with that person. But that's not the time, right? You want to humbly receive, hear, set it before the Lord, and ask God what he wants to do in you. Now listen, are we going to be perfect in this? No. We're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to jump into situations we should not jump into. We're going to stay out of situations that we should have jumped into. We're going to step into situations and do it sloppy. People are going to, it's not perfect. It's sloppy. It's a little, people are nervous. No one likes confrontation. If you enjoy awkward conversations, you're a sociopath. No one's like, I get to have a tough conversation with Bob today. I hope it goes bad. No one thinks that. All right, so when the person comes to you and talks to you, have grace. Number one, they didn't sleep all last night, right? They hadn't had breakfast, blood sugar probably having an issue, right? They, would, they don't know whether to talk or throw up on their shoes. They're very nervous, right? And so when you're nervous, you stumble, you bumble. I don't, you're trying to say it, but you're not saying it right. it. Gra- We're not going to be perfect here. We're going to stumble we're going to fumble, we're going to give it our best effort and not hit it out of the ballpark like we're going to do that. But listen to me very carefully. I want you to hear me. Just because we're going to do it imperfectly doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. We need to do this. Why? Because A, God commands it of us as a church, and B, he commands it because you and I need it for the sake of our souls. This matters. This is important. We've got to do this. It's sloppy. It's messed up. We're imperfect, but we have to do it because it matters. I, I want to introduce you uh, to a guy named Darren Patrick. So, uh, this is Dr. Darren Patrick, and, and I want to read a definition. So, Dr. Darren Patrick has had a great definition for spiritual community in this kind of context. So, listen to how Darren Patrick defines Christian church community. You ready? Patrick says, Church community is one imperfect person choosing to join with other imperfect people in order to form imperfect community all for the glory of a perfect God. I'm imperfect. You're imperfect. Our community is going to be imperfect but we keep doing it. We keep pressing forward. We keep pushing into this because it's all for the glory of a perfect God. And I know some of you are really hesitant here because you got busted up by a church in the past. And someone spoke to you in a harsh way. Or someone accused you of something you didn't even do. And you're thinking, no, look, I I'm a believer in Christ. I love the Lord. I know I need to be a part of church, but I do not want to give myself all into this because the last time I did it, it went really, really bad. I don't want to do that again. I want to encourage you. It's a bad encouragement, but I want to encourage you with this, number one. At some point in time, we are going to disappoint you. I need to just put that on the table. I know, like... People view pastors as like used car salesmen, right? What can I do to get you into a pew today? I want to be really straight with you. We are imperfect. And there's going to come a point in time where we're going to disappoint you. It's going to happen. You know why? I'm not God. It's going to happen. But we keep pushing forward. We keep pursuing We keep going after it because even though we're imperfect, we believe that we're empowered by the Spirit of God, we're called by God to do this, we're seeking to live out what it means to be true sons and daughters of God, made made new creations by faith in Christ, and encourage one another to walk out greater spiritual fruit. So we keep doing it. Clumsy, fumbling, imperfect, but necessary. Another reason that I introduced you to Darren Patrick is because he is a tragic example of someone who said that they believed all this but did not actually live it. So uh, Darren Patrick founded the Journey Church in St. Louis, Missouri in 2002 and almost overnight the church just exploded in growth. Um, I mean his church was just uh, one of those freaky things you read about where just like every week you're attendance just doubles like where are all these people coming from i have no idea and it's just boom 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 he's writing books and speaking at conferences and his sermons are the top of all the podcast list i mean he is just crushing it he's becoming a leader in national major organizations like acts 29 and the gospel coalition i mean the dude is crushing it but there were a couple of problems one Darren was secretly struggling in his walk with the Lord. And number two, he was not allowing anyone to get close enough to him to either A, know it, or B, speak truth into his life. And so while everything on the outside looked great, and everything was awesome, and he was just clicking on all cylinders, internally, he was slowly, spiritually dying. Um, at some point in time, uh, Darren became um, really obsessed with pornography. Just began to view it more and 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 more. Eventually from there, he developed what's been called an emotional affair with another married lady in the church. All the while preaching and teaching and traveling and writing and, and, and on the outside looking great, but on the inside absolutely falling apart. Eventually, like I said, you can either expose your sin and let God cover it in His grace, or you can try to cover your sin and God will expose it. And His sin eventually was exposed. It became clear what was going on. The elders of His church did an investigation. Discovered that this was not a matter of just a guy being imperfect, but but rampant, um, systemic sin that required Darren Patrick to be fired from his church. And so he was. Darren was fired from the church that he started. Um. But because of just years and years and years and years of unchecked sin in his heart, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and the weight and guilt and condemnation and shame of it all was so great that on May seventh, 2020 Darren Patrick took his own life. Leaving behind a wife and four kids. I am not saying that if Darren would have allowed someone to speak into his life, none of this would have happened. We, it's just conjecture. We have no idea. It's just you're, you're making up fantasy worlds. We don't know. What I do know is this. He seemed to the telling of his life to be denying and not walking out what James 5, 19 and 20 clearly says. And what James 5, 19 and 20 does say is, when you allow someone to restore you from your wandering, it will save your soul from death. The reason I bring Darren to you is because I believe there are people in this room who are living a variation of his life. There's sin, there's failure, and it is not you just not being perfect because after all, no one's perfect. It is systemic, and it is the air you breathe. And I want to let you know, the only way you're going to get set free from that is if you yank it out from the darkness, expose it in the light, and let the people of God love you and show you how the grace of God can cover your sin. If you keep trying to cover it, God will expose you. And I don't say that as as a a fear tactic. God will expose you because He loves you. Because He loves you, He'll eventually do that. But you don't have to wait to let Him do it in that way. You can expose, you can confess, and let God cover it with His grace. I'm going to ask our band to come up. And as they do... I just want to end by asking a couple of questions. Question one. Let's be honest. Have you wandered from the truth in your own life? Are there sins in your life that have caused you to wander away? If so, my encouragement for you today is to see that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and he desires to bring confession and repentance to you. Repent, return so that your soul can be restored. And second, is there a brother or sister in Christ that you fear is wandering? I want to encourage you today, just start by praying for them and asking the Lord if he desires for you to step into their life and just speak truth there. The gospel is, that Jesus lived a life without any sin perfection. However, he then went to the cross in your place to bear your sin. He was then buried in the grave, rose three days later. And as you trust by faith in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven of your sins and set free from its power. It's the gospel. Receive it and be made new. However, there are times in all of our lives when we wander away from this truth. And we need brothers and sisters in Christ that will know us enough and love us enough to help us come back to the truth. Will you submit and allow that to happen? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me. I want to pray for us. Our band's going to lead us in one more song of worship. If you'd like to come forward and pray the altar, you can. You want to grab someone to pray with you, you can. I'll be up front. My wife will be up front. If you'd like to come forward and let us talk with you, we can do that. We am going to grab someone that you came with. Whatever you want to do. But I want to encourage you this morning. Are you wandering? See that. Confess that. Repent and return to the path. Do you know of someone that's wandering? Lift them up before the Lord today and say, Jesus Christ, I ask that you would show me. Do you want me to speak? Do you want someone else to speak? I want to see this person restored in you. So God, I pray this is what you would do. I ask you, Lord God, that you would just... speak so clearly to us today about your gospel how Jesus your death burial and resurrection sets us free and gives us new life but we need brothers and sisters in Christ to help us live out that life so I pray that we would submit and allow that to happen do this in us we pray this in your name Jesus amen let's stand let's worship
0: Amen. Mm-hmm.
1: search
2: Just for a moment, a couple of quick things as we finish our time. One, if you're a guest with us, welcome. We'd love to connect with you. Best way you can do that is to grab your phone and text connect to our number on the screen or come down forward and talk with my wife and I. We'd love to do that. Uh, For everyone here, three big announcements for what's going on this week. Number one, baptism, May 1st. If you want to sign up for baptism, this is the last week to do that, so we have plenty of time to sit and talk about it. So if you want to sign up for baptism, May 1st, sign up this week by texting BAPTISM to our number. Second, men's ministry. We've got two big things coming up. One, men's retreat in October. You can sign up by texting retreats to that. You'll hear more about that in the next couple of weeks. And then rafting trip. Our guys are taking a rafting trip April 28th through May 1st. This is the last week to sign up for that. Uh, so if you're going to sign up, you got to text raft this week so you can get signed up uh, so we know uh, how many we have getting ready for that. And then lastly, next weekend is Easter. So much going on. Friday night, 7 o'clock, we're having a worship night here for uh, Good Friday. Saturday, we're having a barbecue cook-off and picnic on the grounds right here, uh, 5 o'clock. Um, and then Sunday, obviously, Easter. So to sign up for everything going on Easter weekend, text EASTER to that number that'll get you signed up for everything so we know how many to prepare for and get ready. And for all the other announcements, download the app uh, so you can know what's going on, give online, all of that great stuff. All right? Let me pray for you and get you out of here. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you, God, for your salvation. We thank you, God, for your church that you give us as a gift Uh, that we can love one another into holiness. I pray, God, that you would empower us to do this for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. Have a great week.